Please be seated. Once again, welcome, especially if you're a visitor today. I'm Pastor Ben Bruns, and I get to share with you today, which some of you have put together already from the children's message, about one of the subjects that people love to talk about in church. Everybody here was like, when they got up this morning, you know, I hope when we go to church today, the pastor's going to talk about money. That's a joke. You're supposed to laugh there. Like, nobody thinks that. We don't like to talk about it. We talk about this subject in our lives. We watch TV shows. We listen to podcasts. We talk to people in our lives about money. But when it comes to the church, we get really uncomfortable about money. So much so, in fact, that there have been surveys done that they've asked pastors. Pastors would rather preach about hell than money. It's an interesting thing to find out. So maybe we should just shift directions today. You want me to talk about hell for the next 15, 20 minutes? Instead? No, I'm just kidding. So we're going to talk about money, and there's a reason why. Because Jesus talks more about money than heaven and hell combined. Because scripture has over 2,000 verses about this money, possessions, and what we have. And it's important because it talks about a bigger thing, about where our perspective, our priorities, and our hearts are. So Let's just take a moment and ask God to bless our time together in his word. Jesus, as we are gathered here and to talk about a difficult subject, Lord, we just ask that your word would work in each of our hearts and our lives, that your Holy Spirit would work through it as we know that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are in Matthew 25, if you want to follow along. Um, We're going to read from... ESV, the NIV, and the NLT, and different translations use different words, but we're saying the same thing. So in our reading, we're going to talk about property and talents. Now, talents are not like what you're good at. Talents are units of measurement for money in this case. NIV, I believe, says bags of gold. I think the NLT says money. So all these things are talking about uh, an amount of money. So when we hear the word talents, A talent was a unit of measurement that was 75 pounds, 6,000 denarii, um, about $250,000 today for us. So even the guy who got one got a quarter of a million dollars. And when we hear this story, I think that helps us to realize that we're talking about everybody is put in charge of a substantial amount of money in this parable. Jesus says, for it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability, and then he went away. So again, don't miss this. The master understands what each person is capable of and gives them a different amount according to their ability. So even in the beginning of this story, we see that he has an understanding that people are going to use this and do different things with it. He who had received the five went at once and traded, and he made five more. So he goes right away, and he's like, all right, got this, let's go, let's do it, and he doubles what the master given. So also the two made two more. But the one who had received the one talent dug it in the ground And hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five came forward. Master, I've made five more. You've delivered to me five. Here I've made five talents more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'm going to give you over much. 
enter into the joy of your master. Then he said to the one who had two, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had received one talent also came forward. Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping what you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And so I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But the master said, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap what I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to the one who has ten, for to everyone who has, more will be given to he who has an abundance, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, so when we go back to the beginning here, in the first verse of this section, and, and you look in our notes, for it'll be like a man, in this case, God, Jesus, going on a journey and trusting his servants, us, and trusting them with his property. So what this is doing is setting a picture for us that God has given us everything that we need according to what we are capable of producing. And for some it's a lot and for some it's less, but that everybody is giving something. And that Jesus, as the master, is someone who understands us and wants us to succeed in this. The other thing we need to understand is that when the master in the story... Remember, a parable is an earthly story with a spiritual, a heavenly, a bigger meaning. So this parable is very relatable for people. In, in the ancient world, in this time, the master who owned all of the property, the person with the money, would have gone off to do more business. As I said, he trades, he acquires more things. He just has a way of, of making money and doing things. And so he would have needed people he trusted, these servants, to manage everything that was there until he came back and took over again. And so this is a picture of us saying, you know, here, you've been given earth, creation, and now God is asking us to steward the earth and take charge of what we've been given. And so what happens, honestly, is we start to look and, at this story and we just start to relate because we can see ourselves as one of the servants. And your perspective may be different of whether you've been given one or two or five or ten or, or what you've done with what you've been given. But in any case, you fit into the story. And so as part of the story, we want to see ourselves as saying, what can we learn from what Jesus is telling us? And so I thought, rather than look at this isn't a sermon about give more money. This isn't a sermon about promise needs money. This isn't a sermon about guilting you. This is a sermon truly about taking perspective. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, the problem with money is, it's not that we're afraid to talk about it. It's not that we're afraid to use it. It's that we start looking at money as a form of security rather than to God. 
So what happens is we look at money, how much we have, how much we don't have, how much we need, how much we don't need, etc. We fill in the blanks, and then we start to focus on that. And so where the problem comes in is not in managing, carrying, or doing stuff with the money. That's fine. In fact, that's part of the story here. Where the problem comes in is when we get so much focus on the money that we forget about the master. We forget about God. And I think all of us can relate to that. I think all of us start to, when we think about it, we replace God as the starting point with money as the starting point. And when we do that, when we replace God with anything, what does that become? An idol, a distraction, something that is taking the place of where God is. And so when, when we hear this, we're like, okay, we need to step back and we need to say, hey, what have I been given? What have I been doing? And what is God expecting of me? And this isn't a new theme. You know, one thing I've come to appreciate here at Promise is, and see mentioned almost every week, is this idea of the crimson thread, of Jesus being part of the story of the entire scripture. And, and even more than just Jesus being there, that, that scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament are the same thing because they're God's word. We separate in our human minds sometimes Old Testament, New Testament. This is not just a New Testament thing. The Old Testament talks just about as much about money and possessions. Give you a couple of verses to take note of that might be helpful. De Deuteronomy 10, look. The highest heavens and the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord your God. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And then in your notes, Job 41, no one has given me anything that I need to pay back. Everything under the heaven is mine, says the Lord. And so when we change our perspective and go, oh, okay, everything belongs to God, and we start to change how we view what the everything is. And so I want to go through a few practical things, maybe in your life, that you can think about. And this is not a judgment thing. This is not a, um, you need to do this because I say so. I think Pastor Scott and I and everybody else in this room would tell you we've all failed in this department at some point. But one thing you can think about is, like, how do you feel when somebody asks you to use something that's yours. So if you have, if, if I have, you know, this is a, let me think of a realistic situation. If I have a chainsaw, this is not realistic. I don't own a chainsaw. And Pastor Scott needs a chainsaw, and he wants to borrow it. Am I going to give it to him? Yeah. A, because I don't know how to use a chainsaw, and I probably hurt myself. <laughs> but no, something like that, of course. But how about this? How about the person in the house who's in charge of the remote control? You like to share that with other people in the house? It's a little thing, but it kind of starts us thinking about possession and what's mine and what I think matters to me. Another thing is when we're worried about stuff, when we're worried about the things that we own and the stuff that we have or the stuff that we need or the stuff that we think we need or the stuff that we have that we forgot we had but we think we need it, but we don't know that we have it, but we want more of it. You know, just stuff in general. And that affects all of us. Is stuff. How we view stuff and how it matters. To go along with that, kind of another thing to think about is like the hoarding of stuff. I want to accumulate things. 
I want to accumulate things because I need another Star Wars figure, or I need another shirt, or I need another pair of shoes, or I need another boat, or these aren't all things I have, by the way, just to be <laughs> Whatever it is that, that we think we need more of something that we don't have yet, or we don't have enough of, and so we get more and more and more of it, and then before we know it, we realize we have so much stuff, we're overwhelmed by it. Another thing is like how we think about money. We don't always think about it. We, we don't always think about what we're doing with it or where it should go, but we kind of just treat it like, oh, whatever. We don't think about the importance of it. We don't get responsible. Another thing that might show us we need to think about this is, you know, being annoyed with this sermon right now. It's a joke. You can laugh. <laughs> but... But no, when we're forced to confront these things is when we shut down and we don't want to deal with it because we make excuses. And again, this isn't coming from a place of judgment. This is coming from a place of all I want you to do, all I want you to do is to ask God how he's speaking to you through his word in this section of scripture. Because that's the truth. What it comes down to is I don't know where you're struggling or if you're struggling in this area today or every day or ever, but I know that we all do at some point. And so when we start flipping the script and changing how we think and saying, God, today I'm going to look at myself as a steward, as a servant to you, and that you're the one who's trusted me. Because when you look at this story a little deeper, and we look at the story as the master and the story as God. And each person represents humanity, someone that is given something. And we realize the creator of the universe, the God in Genesis who said, let there be light, the God who spoke everything into existence, that same God trusts you managing that creation. And we're going to screw it up. This is the part that's also true. God gave us initially creation and said, I'm going to give you more than you need. I want you to share it and bless it, and I want you to multiply. And we screwed that up from day one. And we've screwed it up every day since and not managing it the best way. But we're also forgiven in this story. It's not that Jesus is expecting too much of us. It's that Jesus is just calling us to keep our perspective where it needs to be. And when this stops becoming about money and stuff and less personal feeling, it starts becoming personal with us and our Savior. And what you don't see in the story is you don't see a savior who's out to get anyone. What it says is you see a master, a savior, who knows what people are capable of and trusts them to do it. And that sometimes we're not going to do it as well as we should or as well as we could. But the other part of the story is that Jesus trusts us no matter what. And that each of us has something. 
And we look at the story and it's like, it doesn't seem fair that the guy who has the most gets more. But what that's showing is the person who got the most is capable of making more with the idea of that blessing more people. And so what we're told is when we fear God and we take everything we have and we keep it to ourselves and we bury it, What's really happening is we're, we're missing out on the blessing of what God knows we're capable of and could experience. And so when we start changing our perspective to that and saying, God, all that I have is yours and comes from you, it helps us to totally change our thinking. And again, Old Testament Ecclesiastes tells us this is a famous thing, right? It's a famous saying. We've all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. There's different ways of saying this. You don't have anything when you come to the world. And you don't take anything with you. You never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. The opposite of this is he who dies with the most toys wins, which is an, a secular way of saying all that matters is stuff. That's the opposite of what we're learning today. The truth of this can't be ignored. We leave the same way we come in. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is that we are blessed. I think the, as, as I wrap up here, what I want to make sure you understand is that this isn't just about now on earth. What Jesus is saying here is that you guys need to have a bigger perspective. What you have to manage on this earth is for this limited time. But in eternity, we're going to have stuff. Look at Revelation. Look at Colossians. Look at Corinthians. Look at Thessalonians. Pastor Scott read from during our um, confession time. All of these things, it talks about cities, buildings, animals, people, being in community. So there, is go there are going to be things we manage. Yes, we're going to be free of sin and death and all that stuff, but we are going to experience similar things because God is still going to entrust us. However, the good news is, is that when we're in eternity, we're going to be in the presence of Jesus, and we're going to finally understand and go, now I get it. And so this isn't a message about having to do something to earn salvation. It's not a message about if you don't do it this way, you don't get Jesus. It's a message about saying, God, you know what? Today I realize I fit in your story and I am your servant and you've given me something. And Jesus, until you return, whether that's tomorrow, next week, 100 years from now, until you return for me, Jesus, help me to manage what I've been given the best of my ability that you've given to me. And knowing that when we fail, that our master, our savior, our Lord Jesus, still loves us, cares for us, and forgives us for what we can't do on our own. So I want to encourage you this week to pray something along the lines of this prayer that we're going to say, or something along the lines of, God, what can I do in my own life? And this is just for you. Ask God what you can do in your life. 
for him to bless what he's given you to manage. Let's pray. God, this all belongs to you. Help me be faithful, as faithful as I can be as your servant, in handling your resources that you've entrusted me with. And Jesus, as we go out today, as your people, as your stewards, as your servants, Lord, help us to be people that appreciate what we've been given. Help us to manage to the best of our ability and help us more than anything to share the love of Jesus with others. Lord, we ask you to be with those connected to uh, our congregation here in need of healing and experiencing loss. Lord, we lift up today especially Donna Ziegler as they mourn the loss of her father. We pray healing and comfort for Sandy, who's battling cancer. And Lord, for Becky's dad in the hospital. Lord, in all these cases, we ask for your healing and your presence and your peace. Lord, we also ask you to be with the church as a whole throughout the world. That the good news of Jesus is shared so that other peoples will know what we know. That we have life forever with you. And Jesus... We ask you to hear all of these things as we pray together the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power.